Hello and welcome to I Hate Your Movie, a podcast where we inflict films upon each other for entertainment purposes. Just want to give you a warning at the start of this. This film I've chosen this week is called The Breadwinner. It's about a girl growing up in a Taliban-occupied area of Kabul. It involves lots of violence on women, it involves terrorism, and if you're listening to this episode for a usual fun, happy-go-lucky kind of content, this probably will not be it. So in short, this is the episode that's going to get me cancelled. <laughs> watched The Breadwinner. It's an animation made by the Irish animation studio Cartoon Saloon and it's directed by Norma Twomme and I think it's a very good film. What were your thoughts on it? Here's my one sentence review. Misery might love company but audience doesn't love misery. Okay. I did not like this movie. You did not like this movie. Okay, that's interesting. It falls into that category of Forrest Gump Schindler's List. Okay. People love Forrest Gump. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> pure misery is Requiem for a Dream. For me, is pure misery. Requiem for... Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of movies that came to my mind. 90s dark cartoons, like All Dogs Go to Heaven, things like that. I've or heard of that. Mouse Tale, which is like just, just miserable. <laughs> it just It's like a kid's film that's just miserable. There's nothing fun happening in it whatsoever. And I watched all of those in the 90s and I hated them. Also, a very good comparison is Grave of Fireflies. Have you ever seen that? No. It's basically the Japanese version of this. It's an anime about a family during World War II. And it doesn't even depict the Hiroshima thing. It depicts, like, the firebombing of Japan. Okay. Which is, like, sending down little firebombs and destroying cities and towns. And follows one of these families. Half of them die. Right. That happens in the beginning, so not spoiler. It follows the remaining kid and his little sister just trying to survive. Very, very, very similar to me. It falls into that category of those kind of movies for me, which is I respect it more than I like it. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair point. So the reason I chose this film is obviously we're, you know, we sit here and we make jokes about films for the podcast. It's important that films cover real issues and shine a light on the things that are actually happening in the world and not in some kind of like overly dramatised action way or comedy way or yeah. they just show slices of what people are actually going through. Mm -hmm. I would say this is a propaganda film. A propaganda film? <laughs> Yeah, but like in the original meaning of the word, propaganda has this very negative connotation. There's good propaganda. Okay. This is a good propaganda film. It's just not targeted to me. It's targeted to a soccer mom in Arizona who's a bit racist. Right. And she watches this film as like, oh, sad, sad little girl. And she like, her mind changes a bit. Okay. But for me, it was it's very shallow. Shallow? Yeah, I would say it's shallow. I don't enjoy movies where there's not a variety of emotions or at least some sort of deep dive into some sort of topic or theme. I think this is quite a deep dive into a, a specific topic of what's happening. The film's set in 2001, just before the war on terror. Yeah. And so do you not think it says enough about that period of time? It justifies itself? No. No? I didn't think it said anything unique that... Uh, 
person who casually reads news wouldn't know. Okay. Yeah. I think there's a big difference between knowing something and then seeing it portrayed. Yeah. I think in that way, I would prefer like a documentary. Okay. If it's a film and if it has like artistic merit, it should go deeper in some way. I think there was lots of avenues to explore that the movie didn't explore. Like, for example, it could have explored the politics more, how this comes about. Or if it wants to stay in the kind of misery lane, it could have explored the main girl's psyche more. Or what happens when she grows up and she starts showing, you know, female qualities like what happens then she can't disguise herself as a boy anymore you know i i needed something a little bit more to attach myself into yeah i think it shows uh, her psyche enough in that she's just a kid and that a lot of the time she doesn't really realize the danger she's in obviously she, for a lot of it she does but like you know the film stops enough times to see her childlike wonder at like the finding the candy on the floor mm-hmm. and stuff like that to remind you that actually this is just a kid and that's that's her mentality as well as like the responsibility of providing for her family at such a young age it didn't do much for me it's again i respect it more and i was really miserable watching it. <laughs> yeah which is the point <laughs> i know it is the point but those really one-sided films really don't work for me okay if you take a miserable film that works eternal sunshine of a spotless mind yeah, yeah. Like, that's a miserable movie that has more going on and more things to think about and more things to kind of let yourself into the themes. Grave of Fireflies, the one I mentioned. Yeah. The anime version of this, basically. I think what it does better than this movie is that it shows the two characters who are struggling to live really explore every avenue they could. And I felt that was a bit a bit lacking in this. Okay, Uh, so I think this is probably, you know, we've gone through the highest rated films that we don't like. I think this is probably, of the actual episodes, probably one of the highest rated films online that we've done. So it's 7.7 out of 10 on IMDb, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so let's get into it. Yeah. About how the film goes. It has an intro scene where there's a person and they're inside, like... Lots of clouds, the red clouds. Mm -hmm. It comes back to it later. It's not really relevant at this point. I don't know why they started the film with that. So throughout the film, while what's going on with the main characters, the main girl, Pavana, is telling a story. Mm -hmm. Uh, She tells a story to various different peoples about a boy who defeats an elephant on a mountain. Yes. When it actually starts, you see Pavana and her father, Narula, trying to sell some goods uh, on a rug. Yeah. This really introduces you to all the characters. So they're selling a really nice top that was bought for Pavana or she maybe it was handed down from her older sister and Pavana never got to wear it. But the family had so little money, they had to sell it. It's a really yeah. nice top. I like the idea of that, which is it kind of represents femininity. And they tried to sell it in this like really oppressive male dominated regime. Or It's kind of nonsensical in a way. Okay. It was like, you're trying to sell a pretty female thing to a place where you can't wear pretty female things. But I kind of like that. Maybe the implication is that the older sister wore it before this kind of regime came in. Mm. Because like you say, now they're not allowed to wear it. It's no, no point in them having yeah. it, so they're I, selling it. I, I, I got that. It's just like 
I was thinking, what would you do with it if you're gonna buy that? Uh, the only reason I can think of is like a at-home use. Yeah, they wear it around the house. Yeah. So Pavana doesn't want to be there, and then her father starts telling her a story, and you get introduced to kind of their perspective of what's happening in their country and what's happened in their country. And the main theme of his story is that they're always on the border of two. Um, fighting empires they're always caught in the crossfire or any kind of like conflict that happens in europe or the world yeah because they live along the silk road which is this like very famous and very very old probably the oldest trade route in the world mm-hmm. it's weird that he talks about the silk road as it's his his culture the yeah. silk road for me is like a trade and political thing rather than like a, a cultural identity okay so the whole thing's based on a book Deborah Ellis wrote the book and she traveled all around Pakistan and Afghan refugee camps and the stories from that kind of got turned into the book which got okay. turned into this film. Okay. My feeling was that it was because it felt so realistic. It was all one real story. Okay. But I guess that makes sense as well. I don't know if you caught at the start as well. So the father's when he's telling the story about the lands and the land was prosperous and then you saw the kids get up and start running. Mm-hmm. So it starts running, four of them get up and start running, and then two of them don't make it to the yeah. end. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah. And there's loads of little details in this film that kind of, if you really look into it, it's kind of like heartbreaking all, all along for it. Yes. I just wrote down, sad. Sad. <laughs> it is sad. It is sad, but yeah. again, and then what? I guess the only other positive would be like, I'm learning about this political situation, but I'm not. I don't feel like I'm learning anything new, especially yeah. now that the Taliban's back. You know, a few was that a year ago. Yeah. When the Taliban's back, and there was all these stories, so it's already in my psyche. There was actually this—I don't want to say hilarious. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> article. It is kind of like in a funny, ironic article, which is now that the Taliban's back. And they have to do boring office jobs. They bored as shit <laughs> because they're like, <laughs> for 20 years, they're like, revolution, are we going to take over? And killing all sorts everywhere. And, you know, like having the flame and everything. And now they have to sit in the office for eight hours and like... <laughs> do budget reports. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. Right. So while they're at the market store, this is where we first meet Idris. He doesn't look quite like an adult to me, but he doesn't look... Maybe he's like a late teenager. Yeah, he's got the little moustache. Yeah, yeah, like a little puberty moustache. Yeah. <laughs> so, a 15-year-old yeah, moustache. Yeah, it seems about that age. Yeah. He threatens Pavana's father. Pavana's father lost his leg. I can't actually remember why the Taliban guy takes a dislike. It was that Pavana is outside and she shouldn't be outside and showing her face. Oh, and she shooed the dog away. That was it as well. Yeah. She shouted at the dog because the dog was um, sniffing at her top. Yes. Um, did you catch as well, like when Idris was threatening the father, he walked on the blanket and he was just, like stepping on the top. No, I didn't. Yeah. No. It was like really disrespectful, start to finish. Mm. Then we go home and we meet the rest of the family. So Nuria, the sister, and Fatima, the mother. And they have a tiny little brother kind of infant one or two years yeah. old can barely talk yet uh zaki mm-hmm. and this is the bit that makes me kind of disagree with you in terms of it's all miserable and it's all one thing at this point you meet the family and it's kind of this regular kind of everyday family you'd find anywhere in the world you've the sisters are arguing with each other you know the dads and the mum are, are a team and they're 
and they're just trying to deal with the fact that their kids are just being kids and arguing and Pavana makes a joke at one point like because she's eating all the raisins from the dish and the sister is like well, don't eat all the raisins and she's like ah oh, well what about that raisin on your chin ah. uh, okay <laughs> and it's all very like regular family stuff and you kind of you see that against the backdrop of these horrible things that are happening that makes it enough difference to me mm-hmm. for it to be interesting for me it didn't Okay. There's later on a few bits which bring some levity, but it's so late into the movie that it's like I lost at that point. I want to talk about, first of all, I like the voice acting. Yep. It's very off-putting at first because it's very naturalistic and that's something you don't usually hear in animations. Naturalistic. Yeah, it felt very real in a way where voice acting, you're taught to enunciate, make your point come across in clarity. And this was very naturalistic because it felt like how people talk yep. regularly. And it kind of clashed with the animation, but I liked it. I liked the art style. Yep. It's a mix of 2D and 3D animation. As you can see early, there's a car that's 3D and it kind of mixes in with the 2D environment. Okay, I didn't catch that really. As it's unique art style. It's got its pros and cons. Some people look a bit too similar to me. Yep. There's enough variety and enough interesting things to look at. The one thing with that food scene that I noticed is that sometimes they do the show don't tell with the food. Okay. Like that they don't have enough food. They show the plate from very high up. Then they show that it's all gone and they give the other raisins to the little boy. Yep. And that's enough. But then they say... Oh, we don't have enough food yet. We don't have enough food. I was like, oh, that was enough. Like, it was a visual. Um, yeah, yes and no. I think later on when they say they don't have enough food, the first time they eat, the plate is really, really full and all the meat. And then the second time when they're really running out of food, it's like a third of the size amount of food. But I think, you know, the, you clarify it because there's less of them now. Therefore, you have to kind of say that's not enough food. Mm-hmm. Just, just a... Uh thing I noticed that sometimes it does the show don't tell very well but sometimes it's a bit too afraid to just linger on the show and it just just doubles down let's tell the audience as well so next up is the arrest scene so the Taliban come to the family's house and they bang down the door and they arrest the father for just any kind of trumped up charges just a little background with the film at this time in the film it's law that any female member of a family can only go outside if they're with a male member of the family. Yes. So they can go out with their um, older brothers, uncles, fathers, that kind of, but they're not allowed to be out on their own. They're not allowed to buy food. They're not allowed to basically exist outside the home. They have to wear a complete head-to-toe coverage. Yeah, as adults. I think the children can wear headwraps. So in their situation, the father is the only adult male in their family Uh, and at this point they've only got a certain amount of food in the house and they're not allowed to leave and they've got no way of buying food or existing outside Mm -hmm. of the outside of the home big problems the little sister pavana is allowed out the house to go get water but that is it to me it felt that felt like a cheeky thing like she's not allowed but she it's close enough that she could go out okay because later on she gets into trouble for that as as a girl obviously being in this situation Uh, Out of desperation, the mother, Fatima, tries to go to the prison and tries to talk to the people there to try and get her her husband out. But she doesn't make it to the prison. They get caught by this Taliban group of men and the Taliban is shouting, go home, you're not allowed out, you're not allowed out. And the mum 
is trying to explain like I'm trying to talk to my husband or trying to get to my husband I can't be outside of the house we're going to starve to death and the guy's not listening and he ends up taking the walking stick because the mum's carrying the, the father's walking stick and the Taliban guy just brutally beats her in the street and tells her to go home yeah all the while of this Pavana doesn't see that I thought that was quite a it's an interesting thing for her not to see it because she's chasing the photo of yeah. her father. Taliban guy rips it up and throws it on the floor and all the pieces float away. Yeah. And Bavana runs and chases them. Well, she sees the after effect for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so they go home and the mother is in so much pain she goes and lies down yeah. for a couple of days. Yeah. And so this time you see Pavana get some scissors and she goes to the bathroom and she starts cutting her hair she does it quite timidly at first but then a really good show don't tell moment yes in here is when the sister goes and helps her yeah they don't have to communicate they already have the same idea yeah they already have the same idea they know the implications of it yeah. they know how dangerous it's going to be they know the sacrifice about giving up yeah they know they're in an impossible situation mm-hmm. i would have liked this aspect kind of explored more seeing this impossible challenge kind of play out like I said, the climax of that would have been like her showing to be a woman, her growing up and becoming a teenager and showing, you know, uh, female traits. And how would that change? That would be like the final challenge, you know, things like that. It's not that kind of film. No. This is where she starts telling the story. Mm-hmm. So she she's now the breadwinner for yeah. the family, hence yeah. the name. She's also looking after a little brother at the same time. What did you think about the story that she tells uh, like because you're the theme guy did you feel like it was in theme enough did you feel like it was a complete distraction and unnecessary or it was neither of that okay it was very good up until the end right that was what kind of carried me through the story because i was very miserable and that's the only thing i really latched onto is the story within the story yep but first of all i love the art style of the story? Of the story. Because it has a slightly different art style. It has a very different art style, I think. You think? Yeah, I think okay. so. It has this, like, storybook art style yeah. to it. There's, like, almost cutouts. It reminded me of old socialist Hungarian cartoons Okay. Um, <laughs> from my childhood. But, yeah, it was. it's something I, I want to talk about at the end because it just falls short at the end, I think. They had a really good opportunity to kind of explore something with that and they just fall flat on the face. Okay. I enjoyed the animation sequences for this and I enjoyed the story. Yeah. But I didn't really see how it related to the yeah. main plot. Well, there's a few ways to do it. You can do like, you can do the Watchmen, which is like, it's not super connected, but retroactively you yeah. see the connections. Or you can do it in a way where it's parallel to the story. And this is what I think they tried to do. Yeah. But at the end, it doesn't quite connect, unfortunately. So now that Pavana is a boy yeah to the rest of the world this is the bit that i think shows her like being a kid and shows her enjoying this time because she wasn't allowed in shops before now she's allowed in shops and she goes into the shop and she's all smiling and happy oh, can i get some rice can i get some raisins can i get something and i think she says can i get a small amount of raisins and everybody in the shop's like ha, 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 stupid boy what are you doing that's a small amount of raisins what do i do just grab a handful and throw them at you <laughs> something like that that's not a quote by any means and and she's just smiling she's happy yeah. she's she's ecstatic because it's a whole new world to her and she's 
obviously she's happy to feed her family as well but you also get the sense of like this childlike wonder of the possibilities of the world now kind of thing i feel like that shop scene was a bit of a missed opportunity in a way weirdly to introduce even more misery to the plot because it's weird that it's called the breadwinner but they don't seem to struggle for too long she goes into the shop and like she immediately has the money yeah i half expected her to be like counting and well you have money for free raisins but not five yeah yeah you know things like that you only have a you can only buy this half bag of rice kind of thing and then she has to go earn more money to yeah like it was a bit weird where i know it would have been more cliched but also it's kind of weird where it's like the title doesn't make sense to me in a way where it's not even about the her winning bread because they seem to have some money yeah but they have some money but then she goes out and has all these jobs yeah this is a good good movie to contrast with grave of fireflies with because in grave of fireflies they really run out of money and they really have nothing just nothing at all and that's why that film is more interesting to me because they really explore every avenue of let's move let's ask a relative let's go to the doctor let's uh, beg let's go fishing they just do all these things and like intellectually that's interesting to me like what would i do in that situation but i felt like this was a missed opportunity to kind of introduce a bit more drama yeah, there is a scene earlier that's kind of like she first goes to the market as Pavana on her own and she tries to buy things and she gets chased away and she drops the bag that she's carrying. And when she gets home, she's like, oh, I lost the money. And I thought when I first watched it, I was like, well, that was all their money. Now yeah. what the fuck are they going to do? But then, like you say, next scene, she's like slaps a bunch of notes on the counter. And I was like, <laughs> can I get some raisins, please? <laughs> Give me them raisins. It would have been melodrama. But it would have been something. Okay. Uh, I think the point of it is to see how she like has to work mm-hmm. to get yeah to get the money. She's out in the world, everything. Like I say, she's seeing the world through a completely different way now, and she runs into a friend of hers who's also a girl in disguise. Who is also a girl in disguise, and this bit kind of it didn't really like make sense to me because her friend recognizes her immediately. And no one else does. I mean, I don't know what... Do they say, like, they went to school together or something like that? Yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah? Because, yeah, like, you go through... As an adult, you go through life and you don't really pay attention to kids. (laughs) And especially in that world where it's like... They don't really matter socially, kids. I mean, they barely matter here, but they really don't matter that. And so the only person... That's going to pay attention yeah. is other kids. Also, she went through the same thing. So she may be looking out for, you know, friends who are dressed as boys. The subplot, by the way, is... The story within a story is about a boy who lives in a village and uh, evil monsters come and take away their seeds for next year's harvest. Yeah. And everybody's upset, and the boy declares that he is not afraid, and he is going to go get the seeds back. Yeah, and the main boss is an elephant. Terrifying elephant. What did you think about the name choice? Oh, the that Pavana. F- fire? Yeah. Atfa, Atfa, something like that. Atesh. Atesh, there we go. It means fire. Yeah. That was Do you cool. think it's significant in any way? I didn't really. <sighs> No, okay, just say no. No, you didn't really uh, You're the theme guy. It could um, have been, but they didn't really run with it. 
yeah. she didn't have that like kind of i thought when i first watched it it was going to be like the spark that ignites change oh. and that was the idea of she was going to be fire that didn't happen <laughs> but again like that's i like that about it i like you know it wasn't this big by the end success story where the government is overthrown it's just this was actually happening to people i thought it was more to do with her temperance okay i thought that was the idea but it doesn't really come out until the end mm-hmm. so i don't know she's not really like kicking ass and taking names and chewing bubble gum or whatever yeah eating sweets from the floor yeah i wrote down not seeing a happy ending coming <laughs> <laughs> this was the middle middle of the film yeah uh, um accurate <laughs> Can we get out the jokes so they, if they don't work at all? Oh my god! Um, I'm just gonna cut this segment I'm out. I'm so terrified. <laughs> I've never been more scared. <laughs> I think I think the better thing to do would just be to cut it there. It doesn't matter what the jokes are. Just come back to us at the end, being like, no, <laughs> just a big bleep. <laughs> <laughs> I like a bit of variety in moods. Okay, and so. Like, I was entertaining myself with jokes during this film. <laughs> and one thing was, so, like, this story kind of reminded me of Mulan. I don't think I've seen Mulan. It's, um... I know, I know the story. You know the story? Yeah, yeah. So, I thought she needs, like, a, a Eddie Murphy dragon <laughs> companion. <laughs> I was like, come on, girl, let's go. <laughs> let's go to the market. <laughs> Let's go bribe a prison guard. Yeah. All right, that's it. Dishonor. Dishonor on your whole family. Make a note of this. Dishonor on you. Dishonor on your cow. Stop. (sighs) Just, yeah. And the other one was, (laughs) I think it was after she meets her friend. Mm -hmm. Is this going to be like a Life of Brian kind of situation where everyone turns out to be women and they just have fake beards <laughs> just, just everyone in society is like a fake, a fake it's man in, it's, in, it's in the market still and they everyone just peeling off the beards I'm a woman too yeah <laughs> so am I yeah who threw that stone come on I don't want to trivialise this movie no but I think it is important to have like some like unlike this movie yeah. some, some levity I was de- I was desperately needing something. I was like so miserable, and I know that's the point. This is the point where she you see that she's the breadwinner because she's doing a various amount of jobs. She's a tea boy. She's um, works in a factory. She digs holes. Yeah, she shovels dirt from one pile to the other pile. Yeah, just reminds me of my student jobs. And what she's trying to do at this point is save up enough money for a bribe. She's trying to bribe the prison guard to let her see her father and potentially get him out of the prison. Yes. So that's what she tries to do. She goes to the prison and she tries to bribe the guard and there's not enough money. Yeah. It seems like the walk to the prison is a good few hours. So she walks all the way out there and basically the prison guard just punches her in the gut and tells her to go away. Yeah. So she goes back to the market. She actually manages to sell her the dress. That's how she gets the money. Yeah. And this is why I wrote down, I hate haggling. Yeah. I hate haggling. Haggling is such a weird thing. It is. People... And it's a very common thing in that kind of culture. They don't bet an eye. It's just like, that's how it goes. Like yeah. the actual price is what well, they probably something where they settled. 
Is that where the guy who can't read comes in? Yeah. So, yeah, this guy comes in who just sits down next to Parwana and asks her to read a letter for him. Yes. Because he can't read. One thing I noted, which I'm not sure it was intentional, I think I choose that it's an intentional choice, is that this guy looked almost exactly like the father. Like in no. it, he did. He, no, he he did. He, he was a the, the, he was bigger, but was that's the only thing. Bigger and rounder. That was and the he only was. Thing. I mean, it's a cartoon, so he looked to me to be around mid thirties, early forties. He was younger, and his, uh, his beard was black. But <laughs> he's younger, bigger. His beard was black. <laughs> okay, and he had the exact same eyes. He had the exact same ears. He had the exact same shape of mustache coming out from his nose he just looked so much like the father i did not get that at and all i did i'm just hoping that it's intentional like they're trying to say like oh he's a father figure kind of thing okay so pavana and her friend shazia are coming home from a hard day's work and they sit on the tanks and they talk about is this where the free-handed woman comes in free-armed yes. woman yeah, wrote down free on woman funny. <laughs> like I, I was like just desperate for any kind of like visual funny levity. Again, it reminded me of old socialist cartoons where it's like almost like a visual gag where we see things from her point of view and she puts up her finger, puts up the next finger, and then puts yeah. up the third finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the three things that she puts her finger up for because the in the story the boy has to find three things. He has to find something that shines, something that ensnares, and something that soothes. Yeah. I'd love that little... This is what we talked about earlier. It's my favourite visual from the film. It's these, like, old communist tanks, just, like, halfway buried. And there's just so much of it. And you can see a lot on the horizon as well. I just want that as, like, a poster. That's, like, really cool imagery. So, not just the image of these two kids playing on the tanks, but there's also... At this point, Shalzia has a photo yeah. and she tells Pavana about her dream, about how she's going to save up enough money to move to the coast and work for tourists and get loads of money. And this is why I think it's good that they didn't show her growing up because the idea is what, that these kids have dreams and if you show later on whether or not they fulfill them, then it kind of loses its edge a little bit mm -hmm. yeah i just feel like that's a one possible kind of solution to my problem in this movie you know there's lots of avenues that could have been taken and they weren't yeah shazia she's my favorite character yeah she's the only one who brings some levity into the movie later when she gets involved is that when they get she gets involved in the story in the story I think so, yeah, and there's the horse. <laughs> yeah, there's the horse, and there's like, oh my god, finally something like, just just nice, and like, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's when I just like, like, because I was so tense up until then. It's just so tense and miserable and horrible. It's just like, finally something, you know? This is where, in the midst of this incredibly sad film, you get some foreboding as well. Because as they're sitting on the tanks, you start seeing jets flying overhead. I think I wrote after this, because we go back to miserable, to a little levity. Yeah. I said, I'd rather just imagine the end. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't want to see. I don't want to see what happens. The illiterate friend comes and pays Pavana because obviously he, t- he had he got some terrible news last time and he just got up and walked away, upset. And he came back and he paid her, and she explains to him her well, kind of her situation. She says that her uncle is in prison, and the illiterate guy says, "Oh, I have a cousin that works there. Go there on Wednesday." and ask for him and says like say i sent you so it goes back to the the girl's job and this is where they're digging they're just yeah. moving stuff from one pile of dirt to another pile of dirt yeah it's not really clear why one of them collapses in exhaustion and because they've collapsed in exhaustion the boss comes over and tries to get them to work but the boss is is idris the yeah taliban guy from earlier and he recognizes Pavana as the girl. Yeah. It just it becomes like a nineties cartoon villain. Okay. <laughs> Where he just goes like foaming at the mouth. Yeah. Angry, trying to shoot the girls. Yeah, he does. They like, hide in the little cave. Yeah, he hide in a little cave that is an entrance to a temple. Apparently. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Like Afghanistan has a lot of like cultural stuff that has been like blown to bits. Pavana she runs home after she escapes from Idris by hitting him with a brick and yeah. running home. And and also they are going away for the revolution. They're driving away. Yes, like, true. They're yeah. calling us. The family have got a letter from their cousin. And the cousin has wasn't very clear to me that if the cousin had found someone to marry Nuria, the sister. Yeah. Or the cousin was marrying Yeah, Nuria. was marrying, yeah. Okay. In, in, a, in a war setting, it makes sense to be families to be close and causing marriages to exist. Okay. And they leave in two days. And I believe this is, like, on a Monday, I guess, because Pavana doesn't want to leave until she gets to see her father. So she leaves Wednesday morning because the guy coming to pick them all up is due in the afternoon. So she leaves in the morning to go back to the prison... Um, she's desperate at this point. She goes to see Shazia and says goodbye to her. Shazia gets upset, but ends up giving her like all the money she has, all the money she saved. For... Yeah, that was a weird scene, but it kind of made sense because they're kids. Because at first Shazia was like upset mm-hmm. and felt like she's just walking away, and then it didn't take much convincing to <laughs> yeah. to stay and just give her all the money. So it's like a complete 180 mm-hmm. in like a few seconds. But kids. Yeah. Yeah, I felt the same yeah. about that whole thing, about the whole scene. They arranged to meet 20 years from today. Yeah. Would you have liked to have seen that scene? Would that added added a little bit more depth for you? Well, concerning how in 20 years later, it just same thing happens again. Yeah. Wouldn't. <laughs> I, just, I wanted to get in about this at the end. Is like it doesn't really get much better. In fact, it gets worse. <laughs> cool, bleak, but accurate. Pavana's going to the prison, and back home, the the man coming to take them away turns up, mm-hmm. and he refuses to wait for anyone. He is an asshole start to finish at no point does he not be an arsehole he's an because you can kind of see his rush because there is a war coming there's people invading 
and they want to get out of Dodge before it is, but he is a dick. Yeah, I kind of felt like there is actually a, like a sub-narrative there, which is that guy is Taliban. The family kind of realizes that based on his behavior towards, okay, you towards think he's, women. You think he's close enough to Idris's character yeah. for it to be a parallel? I felt like he was so disrespectful to women that he's kind of giving away himself away as a Taliban. And that's why the family doesn't want to go with him anymore, even with the war um, troubles. I think that was something about that. Okay. Pavana makes it to the prison. She knocks on the door and she's asking for the guy and the illiterate man answers the door. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, it's Wednesday. I've come to see my father. But at this point, the prison is being emptied yeah doesn't tell you this but the implication is they've gone to the prison and they're looking for fighters anyone who wants to fight joins anyone who doesn't want to fight gets shot and the illiterate guy begrudgingly agrees to help her yeah he says if i'm not here by the time it gets dark just leave Mm -hmm. oh she she doesn't she waits there at this point i because when i was writing my notes it was like i broke into three different things so i was like family pavana story yeah the sub story writing this note i was like family this sub story this prison this family this prison sub story prison family and i completely lost track Um, i'm not surprised (laughs) you get headaches (laughs) (laughs) so i did manage to break it down and all of this happens at once from now on so i don't know which point do you want to talk about first do you want to talk about the story because it's the least important (laughs) (laughs) um yeah let's talk about that this is where it kind of falls on its face yep so the kid in the story makes it up to the mountain and uses, you know, like typical folktale fashion. He uses his things that he gathered yep. to defeat some of the monsters. He, but The he, thing that shines is the mirror and he shines it against the sun and blinds them. Yeah. And while the monsters are falling down, he uses his net that he got somewhere somewhere to ensnare them. So it's just, then it's just him against the monster. Yeah. And that part i liked which is that is paralleled to parwana like knocking really hard at doors like let me in let me in Mm -hmm. it's like yeah that kind of made sense which is it's her sheer kind of force and her sheer kind of very strong emotions for her father come out and she's you know she's not gonna stop even through insurmountable odds but then the story kid meets the boss elephant yeah the boy in the story by the way is named Suleiman yes Suleiman was the main story Pavana's older brother yes that died that died kind of explains how he died at the end yeah so that's where it falls flat to me yeah because the boy in the story defeats the animal by speaking truth of like I'm Suleiman and I found this toy and it blew up and this is how the elephant gets defeated I think so yeah uh, it's not really a question it's just a uh, I'm just kind of puzzled <laughs> like okay yeah because it was like the the theme crescendoed from this like Parwana won this Parwana doesn't stop Parwana is like a unstoppable force and this is contrasted to this character but at the end Parwana doesn't house his brother's truth helps her in 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 getting into the prison, in getting his father back. No, I thought it was kind of like a a story wish fulfillment type deal. Like it was her telling a story about her brother being a brave 
a noble person, uh, someone who would help the villagers, who would fight, you know, monsters, who would s- try and save everyone. And it's her coming to terms with the fact that he was a good person. He tried to maybe fight injustice somehow, and it just ended for him. He found a, a toy in the street. It exploded. And that's the last thing he remembers. But the problem is, this is quickly intercut with her banging on the door of a prison. Yeah. And it doesn't quite gel together, you know? Yeah, I see your point. You might be right, but then how does that relate to what Parwana is going through right now? How is the brother's truth and the prison getting the father back is connected? It's everybody's story. So it's Parwana's story is the main story, and Suleiman's story is the sub-story. And they that's they have to they conclude at the same time. <laughs> that's not good enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, if you watch Lil Nicky and um, Atomic Blonde, and then they end at the same time. Yeah, they they're two stories that conclude at the same time. They have nothing to do with each other. It's not good enough. Like uh, up until then, there was a parallel. Yeah. Of her overcoming obstacles and him overcoming obstacles and at the end it just misses the mark okay i I do see your point but i think the way it speaks to me is that you have these two parallel stories and by fate or or luck or anything some make it some don't and that's the point Mm, don't like it okay (laughs) prison or family 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 okay because we should end in pavana's story yes I wrote down epic mom. Epic mom. She is an epic mom. Yeah, I was I was kind of worried that she's going to be kind of a cliche character where she, after she gets beat up, like, she's basically out of the movie or she's going to be so ill that she's going to slowly die. Yeah. But, you know, she recovers and she becomes epic mom. Yeah, so even though she gets beaten earlier in the film, she still takes a stand Yes. against the guy that turns up to take them away. So why do they stop the car? The engine breaks. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, the engine breaks and they stop. And they all get out of the car and they stand by the side of the road. And the guy says, okay, get back in the car. And she says, no. Yeah. And he pulls a knife and she pulls a stick out of the fire. Yeah. And they have a confrontation. Yeah. And then it ends with the fire goes out on the stick and he comes closer and she, like, grabs the knife by the blade. Yeah. Epic mom moment. That's enough for him to call her crazy. Yeah. And just walk away. I like that. Yeah. It was nice. See? It's a happy-ish ending. For uh, them, at least. Should we get into that? <laughs> no. Okay. Let's just move on. Pavana. So, she's at the prison and basically shit's kicking off. At the prison. <laughs> that should be the name on the movie. <laughs> Basically, shit's kicking off. Shit's kicking off. In the distance, you can see all kinds of explosions and madness happen. You can say, you can see that some kind of invasion force or defensive force is coming towards them, uh, and they need to get out of Dodge pretty quickly. This, I found, like, a bit odd that they left her outside, because the illiterate guy goes into the prison to find the father he finds him in like a basement and starts carrying him out and there's a confrontation between the illiterate guy and the prison guard where the prison guard points a gun at him because he's pretending that the father's a dead body 
Yeah. And he's just, I'm going to throw it with the rest of the dead bodies. But the prison guard doesn't believe him. Yeah. And I thought this scene would be better if Pavana was there yeah. to see it and to experience it. Yeah. I think in the story, the guy's rationalization was that it's safer outside than inside. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's gun- guns going off. And... Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. It would have been more dramatic. And what did you think? Because at the very end of that scene, the illiterate guy lunges at the prison guard. I think you hear a shot. Yeah. And then it cuts straight to Bavana. Yeah. Do you think that was a good choice? I thought that was a bit like... Because it's pretty much in the next scene, he opens the gate. So you're kind of like, is he dead? Isn't it? Oh, no, he's not. It was an okay choice. I didn't mind it. My question was more about the guy. Why would he sacrifice himself? Yeah. But... Yeah, I didn't mind that. It was just a last-minute kind of dramatic kind of twist, I guess. Because everything was so miserable, you'd be sure that the father dies after all that. Uh, and then freeze frame. And then, wouldn't it be nice if we <laughs> were older and we wouldn't have to take so long. So, <laughs> set up and pay off. Illiterate guy is shot. He's shot in the arm. Earlier in the film, you've... Uh, he tells a story about his wife who passed and his wife's name was Hola. Okay, yeah. And that means there's a specific phenomenon. If you look at the moon through clouds, yeah, the shimmery outside of the clouds. Yeah, it's kind of like the um, halo of the moon. Yeah. After he rescues the father and meets Bifana outside, he looks to the sky and he sees that phenomenon, which is quite nice. Yeah, but... Yeah. Again, was a very surface level. It was set up payoff, but like, what does it say? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it says, you know. Yeah. Hope. Yeah. But like, and what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not enough for me. I mean, the film pretty much ends here. They push the cart home with the father, and they all meet up, and the film ends. But you don't know what happens with this invading force. Don't you? Well. (laughs) Just read the news. Yeah. They go from a military dictatorship to a different kind of military dictatorship. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Happiness. They do get some rights for like 20 years, 21 years. And then the Taliban comes back. I was trying to calculate like, so how old do you think Parwana is? Oh, it does say she's 11. Oh, she's 11. Okay. I was counting with 8, so let me count again. So 11 plus 21 years. So she has 21 years of kind of freedom. Yeah. More freedom than before. Like a a freedom of a more typical Arab country. 21 years. And then when she's 32, would be now, she's back to the old, good old Taliban. Maybe her and her friend Shazia made it to that beach resort in another country where and they've set up a beautiful business selling shiny rocks to tourists as they planned scam tourists <laughs> no no just no <laughs> just no just no based on the mood of this movie no yeah they're like but they're, that's that's the thing that's why it ends the way it does it they take five it. more steps and they get shot very last part of the film is a quote I don't know if it's a quote from somewhere but the last words of the film are raise your words not your voice it is the rain that makes the flowers grow not thunder okay so be nice <laughs> be nice and be sensible great how does that help me in the military dictatorship 
just just us you know it shows that even in the face of this you have there are people that have nobility and intelligence to them even though it was technically a happy ending mm-hmm. did not get any good emotions from it at all i was just miserable and i was just yeah thinking like yeah great this so they're gonna live in a war now so i just don't see the happy ending coming no this is where i go a bit unemotional and i'm I'm like no i want fucking results <laughs> i want to see i want to see like f- solutions i don't okay. i don't want to see emotion of like hope and or flowery bullshit <laughs> this is like a too too desperate situation for that you need to think about your basics of survival and you need to find solutions how you're gonna survive and that's not good enough for me okay thank you for listening to this incredibly depressing episode of are I you thinking you think you're gonna get away from uh, oh god you got a recommendation also our most famous segment uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dan, <laughs> i want to talk about succession Dan wants to talk about succession <laughs> no the theme is very good listen to the theme song um <laughs> first things first out of 10 oh, i always push you for an out of 10 fuck me this is like the most impossible one <laughs> Okay, maybe not. I'll cut that out. Because I'll I'll give you my justification for it. Is that again, it's a movie I really respect and it's well made, it's well done, but I really don't like it. Okay. So how do you how do you justify that two things? True. How do you put that into a number? You know, that's why I don't like these out of ten kind of yeah. ratings because I get uh, complex feelings. Good, which is what film's supposed to do. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so you're recommending a film? Well, you showed me a sad. A sad? I'll show you a sad. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Anything you can sad, I can sad better. <laughs> uh, we'll have a sad off. Who's the more sad? As long as we're not watching Requiem for a Dream. No, um, but you mentioned it earlier uh, in a different review. Okay. Called it Suspria. Right. Uh, well, it's called Suspiria. <laughs> Suspiria. It's Suspiria. I'm Suspiria of you. <laughs> but yeah, they didn't watch the remake because there's a chance you'll like that. Isn't that like three and a half hours long? I don't think it's three and a half. I think it's three hours. Okay. I think you're going to have like complex thoughts about it. I think you're going to like the sad because you like the sad. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to like that it's grounded, even though there's some supernatural stuff in there, but within that, it's, ground, it's very grounded. Okay. You're going to like the performances, probably. Who's the main person? There's a main person that was very good in that. Dakota Fanning Johnson. Yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey lady. Dakota Fanning. Dakota Johnson. One of those. There is a Fanning. Okay, I know. I like the Fanning people. I like the Fanning people. I do like the Fanning. It's, it's the Fifty Shades of Grey. We've talked like, about there's her There's like before. two or three Fannings. No, it's Baby talked about her before. And you said she's good. Uh, okay. Fifty Dakota Shades of Grey. Yeah, she is very good. Yeah, she's good in this. And... Tilda Swinton, she's really good in this, and she plays three roles, two main roles, and one smaller role. Okay. And one of it is an old man in makeup. Nice. And it's pretty good old man makeup. Uh, and we're watching the remake because I I don't want you to hate me okay. forever. <laughs> I think you'd really hate the original. Okay. So, I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's a film that's on my radar. Don't particularly enjoy horror films, um, so it'd be good to see it. Awesome. Score by Thom York, and I call him call him Thom York because he's T H O. Yeah, 
So if he doesn't want me to pronounce it thumb, just write it normally, you pretentious asshole. I like your music. I think but... it's. <laughs> I think it's. I don't think he got to write his own name. No. I don't think he named himself as a baby. Fom York. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. I'm sorry about all the jokes. Please cancel me. <laughs> oh, please don't cancel me. Uh, we will see you next time. Yeah. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. But share. Share it all. Share it all. Share the love. Share the love. <laughs>